0: And welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge Television, brought to you by our great friends at Ditchwitch. Outdoors Dan here. And hey, folks, did you know that you can catch Bass Edge Television on Wild TV in Canada? Well, you can, but don't forget, we are on the Versus Network all the way through June of 2008. We've got my good friend Aaron Martin alongside, and we're going to be checking in with angler Travis Ruley on fishing Jigs on this segment. And you know, you guys are always pulling each other's strings. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know, it's, you, you got to keep it fun, and that's what being in the outdoors is about. And uh, Travis and, and I, we, we had a great time. We had a great time. We really do. We always have a good time, I should yeah. say.
0: Yeah, and you guys will be around to be on Table Rock, right? Yes,
1: yeah. And, uh, you know, the fun thing about that was that that is a lake that I have spent time on, uh, but normally, the, you know, the format of the show is such to where uh, we try and uncover a pattern, and uh, I, I more or less keep my my mouth shut uh from that standpoint because as you know uh it's hard to fish somebody else's water and i thought travis did a great job of of coming up with a pattern and finding the fish well that
0: sounds like fun that's going to be a good segment and we're also going to have a great inside edge segment for all you boat nuts out there i think you'll really enjoy that section and all that plus aaron and i are going to be right here
2: on the edge You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution.
3: oh look here, I got one, I got one. Look here.
1: <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait.
2: Oh, good fish,
1: good
3: fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa! look at that side of gun, man, that's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is
4: unbelievable.
0: Outdoors Dan, Aaron Martin here. Or Aaron Martin, Outdoors Dan, however you want to say. He is more important than I am, folks, because he gets new boat skins and shirts way before I... Oh, wait a minute. I've never got one. <laughs> oh, how you doing, Aaron? Hi, uh, hey,
1: Dan. I am doing great. Did you say something earlier? Uh, I didn't hear it. <laughs> okay. uh, I
0: didn't hear right. What? What?
1: Uh, I must have had the volume turned out. That's okay. I I don't know.
0: Hey, I do want to thank you though. You did take me out for dinner.
1: Well, wait a minute. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, actually, uh, that was Jeff that that uh, took us out for dinner. That was yeah. a great time, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I want to. Yeah, thanks to all the Jeff and uh, family up there in Iowa at Ditch, which they were great, great hosts for us that night. You know what? I can't believe it, but you're going to start filming again.
1: I know it. It is hard to believe, but the exciting. This is the earliest that we have ever started, Dan. And one of the great things I, I think ultimately. Uh, the viewers and our fans are going to be the ultimate benefactors of this because by starting in March of where we're heading out, um, you know, just here in a couple days we hit the road, springtime, spawn, it's it's going to be a great show, and that's all I'm going to say about that because it, it, it is lights out.
0: You know, with the spring, man, the weather that you're going to have to put up with, I know it just gives me fits turkey hunting, but, uh, and I'm going to be turkey hunting here on, uh, in like two weeks. I can't believe it already. But, you know, one day it's 70 degrees, the next day it's, you got you got hail or you got ice coming in. It's just nuts.
1: Yeah, great point. And, you know, I i would say one of the questions that I get asked the most is how can you consistently go out and put uh, fish in a in the boat on a regular basis? And, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes back to being able to define uh, seasonal patterns. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, if you think about it, the bass really, they don't have calendars. And so the, I like to look at it from the standpoint of, of breaking it down into seasonal conditions, because by doing that, you're actually able to eliminate a lot of water. And what I mean by that is, is where do you start? And if you understand what is going on with each of uh, the seasonal conditions, and, and meaning spring, you know, summer, uh, fall, and winter, and specifically spring, you know, really spring is a, a violent time just because you have a, a lot of factors that that get thrown into the equation, such as the weather that you spoke of. You know, one day you have uh, the, the the outdoor air temperature, you know, it might be bright and sunny, it might be 70 degrees, the next day it might be sleeting or uh, a cold rain come in and the runoff, and it changes that surface temperature. So there's a lot of things to look at, but by understanding the spring, you really, you just break it down into a pre-spawn, a spawn, and a post-spawn, and that will be one of the areas that we're going to get into here in the next couple of weeks that, that we'll share some tidbits on these seasonal conditions and understanding that. But, you know, depending on where you're at geographically, that spawn is already in full swing, maybe as you head further north, uh, they're, they're still very much in a pre-spawn. Uh, but I think that's definitely something that, that we will spend some time on here in the upcoming weeks is understanding those seasonal conditions, and ultimately they'll simplify your fishing day.
0: Absolutely. When I start seeing bass swimming with roses and candy, I know the spawn is on. There
3: you go. <laughs> well, there
0: you go. Hey, you know what? Uh, we need to take a break. When we come back, you're going to hear Travis Ruley fishing on Table Rock Lake right here on the edge.
2: Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere.
1: If you own a boat, you need one of these.
2: MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps.
4: Kit started under $140. And best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting
3: for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
0: Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard.
2: welcome back to the edge brought to you in part by ditch witches on establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility
1: all right welcome back to the edge and joining us all the way from Huntsville Alabama is FLW angler Travis Riley. Travis uh, thanks so much for
4: being part of the edge today oh thanks thanks for having me I'm really excited to be here
1: you know Travis uh, you have a little Different story in the fact that uh, even though you currently live in down in the South, which is kind of the almost could consider the birth of bass fishing,
4: uh, you're not mm-hmm. always from there, are you? No, I'm actually I'm actually from uh, a small town north of Denver, Colorado, or Longmont, Colorado, is where I'm where I'm, I'm from, and uh, not too long ago uh, to pursue my, my 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 career as a fisherman. Uh, I made that move to Huntsville, which really is the hub, I feel, of professional bass fishing. We actually have a lot of professionals moving to this area because you can get to virtually any lake for 10 hours either way. You know what I mean?
1: Sure, sure. And, you know, there for a while, though, you were actually making the commute all the way from, what
4: was it, outside of Denver? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, I, was, I was driving. Listen to this. I was driving. My average drive when I lived in Colorado was 24 hours one way. Wow. Towing a boat. And, and it just got to the point, Aaron, where it's just like, my truck's going to explode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I keep making this drop, everything's going to break. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so. the, you know, the good news is you're you're right in the thick of things. And uh, fortunately for you, you know, in pursuing your passion, I'm sure that that's, that's probably not only helped out from just uh, your windshield time, but also uh, just time on the water.
4: Oh, so it has. You, you know, and, and it, again, it's put me in situations where, where we're back home. You know, people say there's no bass in Colorado. America. It really. It was really neat. I had a lot of mini lakes, what I'd call it. You know, I had a deep one that was 300 feet deep. There was 30-foot visibility, so I had to go practice my finesse patterns. And the lake I lived on was a grass lake, so I got to go practice that. We had a, a, a lake with wood in it down the road. So it was like a miniature... It was like an arcade of bass fishing. I guess you'd say it. Like you know, I could, and there's just little like little lakes. And you just run down there. You, you know, I was going to a lake like Rayburn where I knew there's some wood. I go fish that one. If I was going to a lake a lot of grass, I go to the grass like I lived on. But then you know, coming out here, you know, I put myself in these situations these big lakes which are totally different, and it's really helped me a lot. Well, and
1: you hear all the time uh, talking about anglers trying to adjust based upon where their geographical roots, you know, are in bass fishing. Coming from the west, or I would consider, I guess it's uh, west relative to where you're at in the country, but going from, say, Colorado to Alabama, was that a big adjustment?
4: Yes. Uh, you know, here in Alabama, you know, we got the famous Tennessee River. You know, we have a lot of, we have the Coosa River. And in Colorado, we don't have river bass fishing, which these, these rivers, when you say river, first thing to mind, you think of flowing water, which we do have very slow flowing water but they do fish like lakes but they are still river fish and you know they relate to current stuff like that so uh coming out here and and experiencing that uh was was really neat you know and and, and when i first moved out here i moved to gunnersville and i lived on the lake i fished every day i mean i saved up money when i lived in colorado where i didn't have to work and i fished every day i mean even if it was you know between big tournaments i'd fish every little tournament i could whether it's 10 boats or 50 boats but I knew that you know I had to put myself in the fast lane you know, learning curve on these rivers out here because you know, where I felt that was maybe my weaker point in my game where actually I learned, learned how to fish and adapt to rivers. So, I mean, it really helped me out in rounding out my game, moving here. And I really, like I said, I, I, I forced myself to fish every day. And it, and it really did speed up the process of, of, of putting myself in different situations and different bodies of water. But it is very different from Colorado to here. Um, and two, you got pressure. I mean, you, there's a lot of guys in Alabama that really know how to fish and that goes, you know, Missouri, you know, every little state out here in the Southeast has got dynamite fishermen. Sure. Whereas In Colorado, the, 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 average fisherman wasn't as, you know what I mean? They, they, you know, cause it's frozen half the year up there. Right. So they just weren't as sharp as they are out here where you could fish every day of the year. You know, in Gunnersville, we got 200 to 300 boat tournaments every weekend. So I mean, these fish get a lot of pressure. These fishermen get a lot of time on the water. So the, the competition definitely was a lot stiffer coming out here.
1: Well, and I think, you know, that's that's one of the things that I, I think across the nation that we are starting to see is because of uh, just the popularity, you know, of the sport. Uh, things that you used to give you the edge way back when, you know, just, just look at technology, um, but also just individuals, you know, I guess, desire to learn about this sport. Um, that that learning curve has, has become quite steep, you know, and, and people are... You know, high schoolers, for for instance. I just saw, to, you know, to where high schools now actually have bass clubs and things like that. Look at the college, the CBAA, you know, Collegiate Bass Anglers Association. You're seeing a whole group of anglers starting at a lot younger age.
4: And I'll tell you, you know, be, being around some of the veterans and stuff like that, and they're just, you know, they always you can always hear them, you know, it's like, man, these kids, I mean, all the information that we worked so hard and, and, and for so long to learn, and they, they got it at their fingertips. I mean, we can learn in two years what it took you know, say some of our, our great veterans have took their whole life to learn because it's out there now and it's gotten, like you said, it's gotten so popular where you can go read a book about bass fishing and then, you know, obviously time on the water is the most valuable thing you can have. Sure. But you can, I mean, you you just, there's just so much out there. Sure. That you can learn and it's it, it's just unbelievable. And then again, as, as big as the money's getting big, people are you know able to do this more full time and not have you know the other job. You know what I mean? It's it, it's it's unbelievable. It really is where the sport's going.
1: Yeah, and certainly we appreciate the uh, the veterans. Oh, uh, pioneering there's, there's the road, road for us. And uh, but yeah, I, I really think you know that uh, you know there are no secrets anymore. I know certainly on Bass Edge we push you guys to to really divulge your secrets and and uh, you know get in there and figure out what what you're thinking and why you make the decisions you know that you make. Right. and Which which brings us really to our next point. You know we had the opportunity to spend uh, a day on the water together on Table Rock Lake, and, and you know, before you set the stage for us as, as far as what Table Rock Lake is, you know, one of the reasons that we had had picked you was because of, of your southern-based roots now, uh, you know, being uh, um, more familiar with that style of fishing and the western style of fishing, but really puts you on a situation to where you've got to get out there and figure out what the fish are doing. Can you talk a little bit about Table Rock Lake and perhaps how it differs against some of the uh, the bodies of water that you're used
4: to fishing? Oh, yeah, you got it. And, and Table Rock, it, it, it's one of them. It's, it's in that uh, Highland Reservoir category. Um, but, again, it's the White River. It's up. And if you ever get a chance to go out to Table Rock, you'll see a row of trees out in 50 feet of water or 80 feet of water. It's really cool. But it's, it's deep. It's clear. It's rocky. There's no grass. And I, I consider myself more of a grass fisherman, but yet I still have some experience fishing deep, clear water, uh, you know, fishing out west. But Table Rock, is, is a really neat place. I mean, you can, you can go up the James River or, or, or the King's Arm. You know, there's just a different look. You can go catch a largemouth at two feet of water, and then at the same time, you can go out in 30 to 40 feet of water and go catch spotted bass, smallmouth, and, and you know, even largemouth. Sure. Yeah, but, again, it's that deep, clear highland reservoir, no grass, you know, all rock, a lot of trees, you know, trees just, you know, sitting in 40 feet of water where they top out, you know, 10, 15 feet under the surface. So I mean, it really is unique in that sense. I mean, there's there's other lakes, you know, out here in the southeast and up in the northeast that are, that are kind of like it, but there's just that Highland Reservoir. Just, it's 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 like a region, you know, all those lakes around Missouri and Arkansas. In Oklahoma, it's like a little region where the lakes are really unique in a way. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and the other thing that I appreciate about it is is not only does it have the, the three species, the spotted bass, you know, smallmouth, largemouth, but of course I'm still not convinced, and we'll get into this in just a second, that we didn't catch uh, the fourth species, which is the hybrid, the meanmouth, between the spotted bass and the smallmouth. Um, yeah. But also, you know, it has the river systems. You can stay in that deep, clear water, do some offshore uh, structure fishing, but then you can also migrate back into, uh, towards into the rivers, get into some stained water, and do your traditional, you know, power fishing type uh, situations. Um, you know, t- when, when we started out that day, it's like it's magical when you bring out a, a uh, uh, the cameras. It's like you can, if it's been dry, you're going to get rain. If it's been, you know, calm, you're going to get wind, but our situation was that, you know, leading up to that, prior to all of us getting into town, they had uh, you know about five days of uh, very cloudy, windy, rainy conditions, and then of course when we show up, uh, it was bluebird skies and uh, very, very little wind, with the exception of a of a couple hours uh, there in, the, in about the midst of the, of the day. How does that impact? You know, when you have weather conditions such as that in general, but also specific to Table Rock,
4: what was your thought process of why you made the decisions that you made? Well, again, you know, like you said, you know, the days leading up to when we when we were there were cloudy, windy, you know, you, you hear those rumors, I mean, I heard it took 20 pounds to win, everyone was catching them, catching them, and, and what happens on lakes like Table Rock and well, any lake across the country is the light condition is so severe on a bluebird day, which what we had on day one, the day we were there, compared to the, just the day before, and what happens is that light, especially in clear water, it's almost like it hurts the fish's eyes, you know what I mean? I, that's kind of the way I feel about it. But, I mean, it's proven that, you know, under light under light conditions that, that fish will make that movement, you know, and, and move to where they can find themselves in a little more comfortable situation where it's not so bright. You know, and that's a perfect example is, you know, why, is, why do you go out bass fishing, you know, a lot of weekend anglers, and they always say the best time to fish is in the morning and the evening. Well, that's because the, 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 the sun is not directly over the lake, and it's not that severe, bright condition. You know, it allows the fish to move up shallow, feed and roam. You know what I mean? And then when that sun comes out, they, will, they suck right back out in that deep water or next to trees or whatever. But on a lake like Table Rock, which I knew if we did get bluebird skies, I'd have to back off and I'd have to fish slower, uh, being that it was in that transition, that fall, almost transition to winter, but we were still there pretty much in the fall. But I knew it was going to be tough because that was such a serious front that moved in. And then when, when it came out, when we were there, it was just bluebird. And I knew it was going to be bluebird for days. You know, So I knew it was a severe weather change. And when, when we got there, it was going to be tough. So on a lake like Table Rock, they make that movement much larger than if they had a lake that was cloud-like muddy. Well, so and I always tie different.
1: it to, you know, really two things. One is going to be food source, and secondly is going to be comfort, you know, and you speak of the light penetration. Um, but the other thing of how that translates into food source, if we think about it, you know, at that time of year, you know, obviously bait fish and the presence of bait fish has a lot to do with uh, where the bass are going to be, but the, the very same things that impact bass are the same things that are impacted or impact driving the bass.
4: You got it. And they and they say that, you know, it, that food chain with the light starts at the very bottom at that zooplankton. Uh It affects them and it pushes them down deeper in the water column and then again follows the shad, follows the bass. So it's not just the bass that I guess would hurt their eyes. It's almost like the whole food chain. And you'll see it on your graph, you know, especially on lakes like that. You'll see life on breaks in that tendon. Twelve feet of water, fifteen feet of water on a cloudy day. You know, when I say life, I'm saying like you'll see bait on your 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 depth finder. You'll see arches, and then on a bright day like what we had, is like you almost you go start graphing out in thirty feet of water, and there's those same arches that were not there the day before. And the clouds are there now in the sun. Sure. And it's almost like the whole food chain just like oh man, it's bright. I'm out of here. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. Now, do you notice uh, a difference uh, com- as compared to clear water versus dirty water on a bluebird? calm day.
4: Exactly and that's what I was getting at is on a, a cloudy body of water that cloudy water filters out that sun so if, let's say you're catching them in a foot of water on, the, on day one when it's cloudy you know for instance like out here on Wheeler Lake in Alabama where I live on I'll catch them in a foot of water on a cloudy day and then I'll catch them in five foot of water on a bright sunny day that that movement is much shorter because that muddy water filters out that light whereas on Table Rock you'll catch them in 15 feet of water or 10 foot of water on that cloudy windy day and then on a bright sunny day the next day you're going to catch them in 30 feet of water.
1: And, you know, we actually, we started in the clear water, uh, the crystal clear water, um, mm-hmm. started out there. Then we had a situation to where some, some, a little bit of wind and, and kind of a, a, a small, what I would consider a secondary uh, front, just kind of came through real quick, and then it went back to bluebird skies. Um, walk us through quickly on, you know, where we started at in the clear water. Then we made that adjustment, throwing some spinnerbaits, and then we wound up, uh, you know, really picking exactly. up that jig.
4: Um, what happened was, you know, we started out, we started out in that clear water. Um, and then we, what I, what I did is I, you know, first off again, went in there real quick, tried to figure out what that depth zone, I was telling you, I knew it was going to be tough with that bluebirds. So we started in the clear water, started out shallow in the morning cause the sunlight isn't as bright. Um, and then luckily. You know, we caught some fish that helped us clue in. I, it, it seemed like the fish were suspended in the trees. You know, I kind of got on that bite where I would cast that jig out and I let it drape over a limb that was in a submerged tree over, you know, 18, 20 feet of water. And I just I'd hold it up and I bring it up to that limb and I shake it and I let it fall back down. And then they're eating it there. But, when, you know, later on in the day, as the day progressed, we got a little bit of wind. And that, that comes down to adjusting by the minute. You know, being aware, you're, you're aware of, of the conditions around you and as they change. Like I said, light conditions, wind... And we got lucky where we got a little break there, a little, little window where a wind came out and, and started blowing up against the bank. And um, we made that adjustment. We moved shallow. We started fishing spanner against the bank, parallel against the bank. And we started catching some nice fish. But then the wind died. And then we had to go back to what we were doing before,
1: yeah, and that bite went away you know and in, in our last uh, closing minute or so here, I want to talk uh spend some time on that jig technique that you talked about of you casting that jig, walk us through that, and why that is so effective on that type of a bite.
4: again, you know it's one of them things where I was just trying to get a clue I wasn't getting a bit on the bottom, you know, dragging it on the bottom, so i I, I use I'll use the limb as almost like a you know I don't know, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I'll cast you know I'll cast my jig over that limb. And there's several limbs on these trees, and I'll bring it up through that tree, and then I'll just wait until I get bit at a certain range. And then, you know, just see if those fish are suspended. Because, again, when they, when you have all that cloudy, you know, the fishing's good for several days, and then that bluebird, they move out. And sometimes they'll suspend. So basically I, I did that by checking to see if they were suspended, and they were obviously suspended. I'll cast that out and drape it over that limb and I'll just let it bring up and they'll stay in that strike zone and they'll drop it back down I'll put it right on their nose.
1: It's almost kind of like yo-yoing.
4: Exactly. Yo-yoed it right over a limb and, and it will allow you, it's almost like fishing a jig on a drop shot rig. It allows you to be in the same spot without having a bunch of movement back towards the boat. You know what I mean? It allows you to fish that tree Right. Um, and just leave it in that tree without actually dragging it back to the boat. So, well, I mean, and come,
1: quickly I saw that, you know, it seemed like because of, of what you'd referenced with the weather change, that the fish were mo- moving more vertically. They were already in the deep water, but they were holding specifically to the trees and off of those points.
4: You got it. They definitely were. And, and, and again, the bite was bite was very subtle. Um, as you, as everyone will see in that show, it was very subtle. It was almost like you couldn't even feel them that they were there. But it was. They were, it, was it was more of a vertical bite. Um, we did, however, catch a couple, I think, on the bottom, but it was, again, that, that, that jig was draped over that tree, and I let it fall back down to the bottom. But it was, it was a very subtle bite, um, and those fish definitely were, were a more, little bit more vertical. There's no doubt about it, the way they are feeding.
1: Well, Travis, uh, unfortunately, it's hard to believe we are actually out of time, but I know for sure uh, you will be joining us uh, again in the future. I appreciate your time. Any, uh, any closing thoughts or remarks before we, uh, before we get out of here? Well, man, uh,
4: one thing, I mean, if, if, if anybody's got any questions out there, shoot, shoot me an email at uh, prostaff at bassedge.com. Again, that's prostaff at com. Any, any questions anybody's got out there, I'd love to answer them. I know that you guys set that up for everybody to, to, to talk and discuss any tips or any, any questions that the viewers may have, and I'm really excited to answer any questions anybody's got.
1: Well, Travis, uh, uh, we certainly appreciate it, and we, we not only appreciate the, your time on the show, but uh, also those the Bass Edge quick tips on the video clips that you've been providing. So best of luck in the <laughs> upcoming year, and, and I know we're going to be rooting for you down uh, down at the Toyota Texas Bass Classic. Oh, I'm
4: excited. I'm excited. It's been a pleasure working with Bass Edge. It's a heck of a deal, and I'm, I'm just so excited, and I appreciate that you, know, you have me on the show. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon, Travis. All right, Aaron. Talk to you soon.
0: All right, we're back on the edge. Aaron Martin, this is Outdoors Dan, and you guys had a little fun there.
1: We did. You know, yeah. we did. We, we started in the clear water uh, and then ultimately worked uh, kind of our way back into to uh, some of the creeks and uh, the river systems and, and really just, just spread out. The wind came up. We had some changing weather conditions, obviously. We uh, were able to catch both uh, smallmouth you know, and uh, spotted bass and largemouth, so we caught all three species. So it was, it was very exciting. That is pretty exciting.
0: Now, I've got a note here to ask you about what is the Geppetto technique?
1: Where are you getting the Geppetto technique?
0: Uh, Something about, you know, Geppetto. He was a puppeteer. He made Pinocchio. <laughs> Geppetto. Okay. The Geppetto technique. All right. Here we go. All, All right. But, you got
3: kids. Can't uh, you on understand? The i the a
1: marionette, I guess, what you're talking about. Well, uh, <laughs> for those of you who have not seen the show, Travis uncovered a pattern to where we were fishing uh, these little bluff end pockets. And what I mean by that is it had standing timber uh, that you could actually see coming out of uh, breaking the the surface of the water, and right off these points along this river channel, he would cast into these clusters of trees, and and underwater, the water did have a little bit of color to it, but under the water there would be tree limbs that would be protruding uh, from each of of the standing timber, and as he would bring his, uh, flip his jig out there, but then work it back towards the boat, he would kind of yo-yo it over these tree limbs, and a couple times uh, he would actually just sit there and just kind of pull up and pull down, and all of a sudden those bass... Because I think what the, what we had established were, was that they were suspended in those treetops, and they would just come up, grab his jig, and all of a sudden he had. We actually missed several fish doing this because it was a really, really soft bite, you know. And that's really where that fluorocarbon, you know, for that uh, strike detection came into play. But working that jig up and down, and it would just all of a sudden just pull down just a little bit uh, on that. And I mean, once once he established that, then it was just more or less trying to go and repeat you know, those areas producing uh strikes like, like we had established on the pattern.
0: Man, yeah, see? Geppetto technique.
1: Geppetto, man, you're you're a smart man. I'm man. not either. <laughs>
0: I'm not either. Otherwise, I'd be on a Starbucks on Central Avenue. <laughs>
1: there you go. Well, but no, that's
0: uh, that's pretty neat. It, you know, that's what I love about fishing, or whether whatever your pursuit is. Y- you can always come up with a different way to redneck it, yeah. And and actually produce results.
1: Well, and, and you know the the thing about that, we had a when that weather system did change, the wind yeah. came up real quick, and it got. Uh, Got kind of cloudy. We decided to abandon that and then pick up the spinner baits and move in shallow and see if we couldn't pick something up there. And and it worked. So we just again we tried to build upon what what uh, what we had established. But the the interesting thing was that it did not actually produce you know larger fish by moving into more of those reactionary baits. Uh, yeah. The fish were just locked down a little bit. Hey, fish are fish. Fish are fish. Fish are fish. That was pretty cool. <laughs> That's an ingenious statement. Well, I wasn't going there, but
0: whatever. <laughs> All right, well, you guys had way too much fun. That is pretty neat, and I know that any time that you can get out on your home water, you're pretty happy. Oh, absolutely. So there you go. All right, folks, we need to run and take another break. When we come back, we're going to go Inside Edge.
2: You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the Tow & Stole Receiver Hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call one best hitch Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to The
1: Edge and joining us today to actually go into detail not only when selecting a bass boat, but really just talk about uh, the overall product in general, and that is President and CEO of Legend Boats, Randy Qualls. Randy, thanks so much uh, for being part of The
3: Edge. Well, thanks, Aaron, for letting me have some time on the radio here to talk about it.
1: In, in this day and age when you've got a uh, a market that has obviously a lot of choices concerning selecting a boat, I'm asked all the time, obviously, when we're out touring, you know, taping and, and the tournaments of of how and why we would select Legend, but what is the difference, you know, coming straight from from the manufacturer, what is the difference of a, of a Legend boat and why that, you know, that boat is uh, obviously superior to some of the other choices that are out there?
3: Well, one big thing that, you know, I would ask people to, or think people should look at when they buy a boat is the ride of the boat, and our boat's a superior ride because we don't trap air or water underneath And what I mean by that is it's a V-hole. When you look at a lot of boats, they'll have upturns under the bottom of the boat where they trap water and trap air. And they do that because the boats are typically a little bit heavier, and it allows the boats to lift off of the surface. Uh, But what that does, when they come down off of a wave, they'll hit the water and, and trap water underneath it, and it gives you a jarring ride where our entry into the water after, you know, you're airborne or, or in larger waves just allows all the water to roll off the sides and ensuring a softer ride.
1: So then, you know, a lot of it has to do with on a ride then is, is the trapping of air. Is that, is that right?
3: Well, a lot of it is trapping uh, air, but when you trap air, you also trap water. And a lot of companies trap air to pick up speed, basically. You know, ah. it, it funnels air under their boat instead of water. Uh, and, and they feel like it picks up speed and gives the boat more lift. Uh, and we've done a couple other changes to ensure a real uh, dry ride as well as a real smooth ride.
1: And what about, you know, obviously Legend has is, is always been known for th- for the transom. Right. You know, that is that is just one thing I think that is out there that, that no one can even compare to.
3: Well, yeah, our transom, we build them in-house. They're 100% vacuum-formed fiberglass, uh, and as far as I know... We're the only one in the industry that takes the time to do that. Most other companies use uh, core composites or protruded material like protruded fiberglass. But the problem with protruded glass is you can't get the thickness thick enough to really ensure the strength. And uh, with the other type of composites, they use them are basically a foam core composite. And that's actually the weak part. The glass impregnates it and makes it stronger. Uh, and ours is 100% vacuum-formed fiberglass. Uh, before there's even any integrity damage at all to the transom, it's 28,000 pounds per square inch of, of pressure applied to it. Sure. And it's uh, amazingly strong.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the, the dead rise or the shape of, of the hole, you know, that aggressive V that that is there that is able to break that... Uh, not only the the upcoming rough water, but also provide you know a soft landing. Does that impact the performance or integrity?
3: Well, it really does. That's part again the the entry of being so steep at the bow of the boat uh, allows for a very smooth entry into the water, and it actually you know and and then allowing like I was talking about earlier, allowing the water to slide off the side of the boat. The uh, trapping it under it ensures the the uh, you know the real smooth ride, and then we do other things that you really can't see in the boat, like we have gel inserts in our seats as well, which is a. Uh, a very nice cushion as well.
1: Yeah, and I know, you know, stretching all the way from the back of the boat with the, the finished compartments there in the battery box and the attention to detail, the, the temperature gauge inside internally uh, within the live wells, the red light that you can kick that on uh, to be able to see in the live wells at night without spooking the fish, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But what do you think, you know, can you provide some advice to our listeners when they're out here looking at... You know, whether it be in the used market or certainly in the new market. Just some quick tips in our closing 30 seconds here to leave them with uh, when looking
3: for a boat. Basically, it's overall quality and fit and finish. And, I mean, and that's what we're all about. All of our boats have a minimum of 1,000-gallon pumps in them. There's just a, you know, a lot of little things to look at, and, and superior fit and finish is what we like. Uh, but basically, uh, again, I go back to not trapping air under the boat. I mean, if you get a boat and you go out on a real windy day and people trap air underneath the bottom of the boat, it's just going to give you a rougher ride.
1: Well, and and that comes down to a lot of things. One is from the standpoint of not only just personal fatigue, but also uh, just fish care. You know, when you've got a live well full of uh, fish and about protecting those resources, you know, you've got that in there and you're bouncing around, that has a lot of impact on, on the uh, longevity of our sport right. as well.
3: Well, and it also adds to the structural strength of the hull. I mean, over time, if the boat's trapping water and air underneath it, it's going to get more fractures and and little hairline cracks, you know, coming from screw holes and around rub rails and that kind of stuff. Well, exactly, and and then the stress
1: cracks are kind of the, uh, you know, no one wants to see those show up on a boat.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So. Well, Randy, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I do appreciate uh, your time here on the Edge. And certainly, you know, I know the the website is uh, ridewithalegend.com, and and I I know uh, Basshead certainly enjoys riding with a legend. Uh, matter of fact, I, I think half of our crew on the the boat that we use for the camera boat they're always arguing on who gets to drive or who gets to uh, take part in that. So we appreciate your support and certainly appreciate the information that you gave us here today. Thank you very much, Aaron. We're uh, proud to be a sponsor of Basshead.
3: When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at CooksGoTo.com.
2: Welcome back to The Edge. You know what?
0: That Mr. Paul, I got something out of that interview. I think he knows a little bit about boats. He does,
1: and, you know, that's where his passion is. And uh, I, I just think that is exemplified with the, the type of boat that he built, but also the information that he provides. You know, his, his passion is to make sure that, uh, that when you're out there fishing, that your day is, is uh, not spent having to worry about or deal with equipment issues. How many people have went
0: and fished the uh, the amateur side, like at the Central Programs or the Heartland Tours or the UAW Tournaments, where, wherever they are, but got out there, spent all their money, got their hotel reservations, pumped up the truck full of gas, got the, the boat full, get there, unload the boat, start it, idle it off, go pull the trailer back up, get in the boat, go about 100 yards and have the motor quit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that has happened to millions of people. It, it really about, has. You, I mean, you think about the number of people that fish in annually in the United States. Over the last five years, that has happened over a million people.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I think that goes back to uh, items that we have talked about before yeah. on some of that preventative maintenance, you know, off-season, uh, just doing a pre-trip inspection as much as what you possibly can. And don't procrastinate. I mean, if you if you realize that you're hearing something uh, or or you have this suspicion that, hey, maybe my trolling motor batteries. You know, are starting to get worn, that type of thing. Go ahead and take the time to get those things checked out because if you do it now uh, while you're off the water, you don't have to deal with it while you're on the water.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had to paddle back with your tackle box?
1: I have. Uh, I have not had to paddle back. I've been towed back a couple times. Yeah. yeah. So. It's not a lot of fun. No, no. no it's <laughs> fun. So I've
0: been there myself, so I speak
1: from experience.
0: Hey, I think we got some uh, big thanks to give out to two gentlemen, Jeff Smith and Walter he- 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 uh, Heyman.
1: Hammond. Yeah, Walter Hammond, and uh, both Hammond. of those sent us very, very nice emails, so appreciate them listening, just appreciate their feedback and also their questions.
0: What was the email? Uh,
1: the email was basically, which I hate to even say this on the air, because I'm sure your ego is going to go through the roof. Oh, so. I want to hear it, because I, I figured there was a reason why I wasn't privy to what <laughs> yeah, they yeah. said. I just heard it was very, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, that Jeff just, and both of them really just went on and about uh, the entire, uh, not only the podcast, but also the show, and just... Uh, Told us to keep up the great work and uh, said, "Hats off to you. you that you do a great job." They said that you're you are their hero. Wow!
0: <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. of uh, the checks in the mail. No, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So there you go. At least I know my peanut butter contract with you will be good through the next year. So you know, there's a lot of cool stuff
1: coming up, though. Uh, what's that? On uh, the am website. I on TV? Uh yeah yeah exactly <laughs> America's most wanted. <laughs> so, you know America's least wanted is yeah. my show. But go ahead. But no the the website I mean that thing is rocking and rolling. If you mm-hmm. can believe this we're we're more than double where we were last year as far as hits and exposure. I love those you know uh, Don and the production crew came up with those Bass Edge Quick Tips uh, that you've seen so many of uh, the anglers participate in. And I just I I have learned so much from just by going and watching those guys on those Quick Tips. It takes about a minute. And uh, so, a lot of neat stuff. Newsletters—it's uh, in production again. Obviously, getting ready to come out with a second edition. So, if you're not signed up, we want to make sure that everybody gets signed up for that. Yeah. Well,
0: I know I goof off a lot on these things, but you know what? You got to keep it fun. And uh, you guys do do a wealth of information from somebody that just bought their first reel and rod and tackle box to somebody that's out there trying to make a living at fishing. So. You know, you cover all ends of the spectrum, and you guys should be happy with their success. You guys have been doing a good job. I've been doing this for 12 years, you know, professionally, and I'm getting to be where uh, I I know I'm going to wind up at Walmart being a greeter for us all (laughs) over, but, you know, you guys, I've got faith in you guys. Uh,
1: Well, and and likewise, and you help bring that to reality, Dan. And so, anyway, it's just a lot of fun. I just love meeting people. Well, there you go. All
0: right. Well, I tell you what. If you want to send us a wonderful email, you're more than welcome to, and, you know, help Aaron out a little bit, folks. You know, I I know I get a lot of compliments, but Aaron (laughs) needs some, too. Uh, You can send those to ProStaff at BassEdge.com, and those will be answered on the web. Some will be answered on the newsletter, and some will be answered right here on some of these podcasts as soon as Aaron gets the initiative to get somebody on there and pull one. You know, if you just give up your, your Sega or PlayStation time. Oh, I
1: know. Isn't that hard? You know, I know you like I'm to that. fish, but you
0: don't have to fish on TV. <laughs> Game reality TV or there whatever you call it. it, virtual TV, whatever. But anyway, folks, we'll try and get some of those on here in the next couple of weeks. And again, thanks to Jeff Smith and Walter. We appreciate that. And then uh, don't forget to tell your friends that they can get this podcast absolutely free of charge a couple of different ways. You can go to iTunes. And if you do go to iTunes, make sure you do go ahead and rate us. It's very important, and we want to know that we're meeting all the needs out there. Also, BassEdge.com. You can pull the podcast directly off of that. And don't forget about the newsletter. Aaron just touched about that, and all the guys are working hard on that. And I know you want to say uh, say congratulations to the uh, gentleman that's mainly responsible
1: for that. Aaron, go ahead. Yeah, it's Steve Brigman. You know, yeah. I mean, he's doing. Uh, again, we have an award-winning journalist on our hands, and so hats off to him. I, we've just gotten tremendous feedback from that.
0: Yeah, nobody was more prouder of that silver carp award than Steve. <laughs> That's right. So, so you kill yo, Steve. He's a Steve's a good guy. He I is. like Steve. Steve knows what he's doing. But
1: hey, did you hear about? Uh, you probably didn't get this memo, Dan. And I know we're <laughs> running over time, but did you hear where we're going next week?
0: Uh, no. You, let me wait a minute. Uh, uh, George is something on my mind. Yep.
1: Uh Columbia County, Georgia, on Clark's Hill. And the Lawrence, interesting thing that. about this is, you know, that the South is was extremely dry last year. Well, now, obviously, they're starting to get some rain, and all those conditions have changed. But if you want to get a firsthand look of what uh, Clarks Hill looked like in a low-water situation and how to adapt and figure that out, Terry Bolton, man, he is going to set the stage for doing that. So well, it'll be a great show.
0: That's exciting. Well, folks, put your rod and reels in the ready, get your reels cranked back, and get that thumb off the thumb brakes because next week it's really going to roll. We'll see you next time right here on The Edge.
2: Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge Audio program possible: Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, Megaware Keel Guard, Cooks Tackle Management Systems, Ardent Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clark's Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.